Well, once again, welcome to Rockbridge Community Church. My name is uh, Matt Evans, and just excited wherever you have uh, gathered with us, Hickson, Calhoun, Ringgold, Dalton, Chatsworth, somebody gave you uh, a link to our website or gave you a CD. Thank you so much for, uh, for tuning in, for listening in. You're in part two of a series that we kicked off last week called I Am Not a Quitter. And uh, to try to understand kind of what we're talking about, let me just review a concept we talked about that all of us in our lives, we sort of, as we go through things, there's kind of a, like three or four zones that we kind of enter into. We have what we call the promise zone. And the promise zone is the new job, the new baby, the new marriage, uh, the new house, the, the new relationship with God, the new church, the new small group. It, it's just like where everything feels hopeful and everybody's expectant and we're anticipating and, and everything is going well. And, and then we go into the problem zone. And, and when the problem zone feels like it's outweighing the promise zone, then quitting becomes like this option. And quitting becomes like something, I, I, I didn't think marriage would be this hard. I didn't think God would be this hard. I didn't think life would be this hard. Uh, I thought the job would get better. Uh, all of those kind of things. And quitting becomes an option. And if we're not careful and we go to the Q zone or the quit zone, we miss the payoff zone. We miss where God's rewards show up. We miss the lesson. We miss the growth opportunity. And so in, what we said last week, and, and we had a hard time with it because it, it's so countercultural and counterintuitive, but last week we tried to unbelieve something and start believing something. And here's what we tried to unbelieve. We, started to, we tried to believe that hard equals good, that because we have a good God who will leverage anything in our lives to bring good into our character, good into our walk with Him, that hard can actually equal good. And today, we're going to take it a step further, and not only does hard equal good under the sovereignty of God, but hard equals can, meaning I can, you can, we can. Hard equals doable, because there's a bad word. It's a four-letter word, actually. And we're going to stop saying it, and we want to take it out of our vocabulary. And the word is can't. I can't do this anymore. I can't hang in there anymore. I can't survive. I can't get through this. I can't. I want to read you a poem that I think is so powerful about this four-letter word that we never want to say again. Can't is the father of the feeble endeavor, the parent of terror and half-hearted work. It poisons the soul of a person with a vision. Can't is the worst word written or spoken. So we're going to banish that word, but to do that, we got to work through some challenges because here's the situation that we find ourselves in and what makes quitting such an enticing option. Where quitting once was unthinkable in the marriage, suddenly it becomes thinkable. Where quitting God and walking away from your faith was once like, I can't do that, I would never do that. Now it suddenly becomes an option where I just can't walk with God anymore. So what happens is simply like this, okay? Something happens in our lives and, we, and we're like, I don't know that I can do this. And, and suddenly can't becomes an option. And, and the distance between can't and quit is like a millimeter. When you start to say, I can't, you are dangerously close to the cliff of quit. You are dangerously close to missing what God has for you in the moment or in the season or in the growth opportunity that you're in. So what we have to do is unlearn some things and then learn something. 
And that's what we're going to try to do today with the help of the Holy Spirit and the help of God's Word. So here's what I want us to imagine. I want, to, I want you to imagine that uh, I gave you or somebody gave you this weight. And this is like a 20-pound dumbbell. And here's your assignment, okay? Your assignment is to carry this around with you all day. And, and, and if you're like this weightlifter, then like, okay, walk 20 miles with it, something like that. And, and, and you know, you'd pick it up and you're like, this isn't too bad. And you're in the you know, promise zone. I think I can do this. And, but then by like 9 o'clock in the morning, I mean, it's with you all day and your shoulder and your back is tightening up. And suddenly you're like, I don't think I can do this. And can't becomes an option. And can't to quit is like, I can't. I quit. And you just put it down. And the weight's, you know, whatever that problem zone is. The weight is, is maybe the weight of your marriage or the weight of your finances. But you look at what you're facing. What I'm facing is I don't think I can carry this around all day or on a 10-mile hike or whatever. So you quit. Now let's take it a step further. Imagine I said, okay, okay, you don't have to carry it all around. Here's some Walmart grocery sacks, okay? How about you carry it around in this? And you're like, well, you know, and you put it in here and all that kind of stuff. And you're like, well, yeah, I, I think so. But at some point, I think these bags are going to break. I mean, I may, maybe I'll make it farther than, you know, if I kind of carried it on my own and the bags, you know, a little easier to grip, not so rough. They got a little strength to them, you know, that adds to my strength. So maybe that's all good. But at some point, you're like, I think the bags are going to break. And, and at some point, I, I can't keep doing it and can't to quit. It's like a millimeter, right? And, and so that's kind of what we're doing. It's like, what? I just, I can't survive what I'm facing. I can't carry the weight. And what if I come along and I said, all right, I want you to carry the weight around all day in this. It's a pack designed to carry loads of weight, designed to distribute those loads evenly across your body. And you'd suddenly be like, I can carry it for a month if I have that thing. You know, that's no problem. All right, and so now we've eliminated the word can't because of the resource or the strength you've been given by way of the high-quality backpack. And here's the point of all of this. It's not what you're facing that causes you to quit. It's how you're facing it. It's not, what, it's not the what of the weight of cancer. It's not the what of, man, it's just hard to be a Christian in today's society. It's not the what of, man, marriage is just tough, so I'll just, you know, I can't do it, so I'll just put it down because I just can't. It's not what that causes you to quit. It's how you're facing it. It's how you're trying to carry the weight. It's how you're trying to distribute the load. It's how, you know, you're picking up anything that life will give you and trying to put it in something that just really, ultimately, it's not going to hold the weight either. So if we could get past that the problem is not what we're carrying or what we're facing or what we're going through, but rather the problem is how we're facing it, how we're trying to carry it. And, and we would all admit, if I carry that weight the wrong way, at some point I start to say, I can't carry it anymore, and the distance from can't to quit is a millimeter, right? And that really explains why we quit. It's not so much what, it's how. If you go try to run thir you know, three miles, and you know, I can't run three miles because you haven't trained. 
If you add training to your how, at some point you'll be able to do stuff, stuff like that, right? So the problem is not what. And, and what do we spend all our time on? What we're facing. What God won't get rid of. What's coming down the pipe. What we're dealing with. What, 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 what. If we could just stop that. And ask ourselves, well, how am I carrying it? How am I tempted to carry it? How have I tried to do marriage? How have I tried to do Christianity? How have I approached my job? How am I approaching what the doctor just told me? If we could change the conversation today from what we're being asked to carry to how we're actually trying to carry it, we will move into, or rather move away from, the Q zone of quit. So to get into this lesson, we're going to go into the book of the Bible called Philippians. It's in the New Testament. It's a little short letter, four chapters. You can read it in like 15, 20 minutes. A little short book written by the Apostle Paul. And the whole framework of this book is about Paul's joy and happiness and, and how Paul is, has learned to do life. And that, that's significant. How Paul has learned to do life. Now let me tell you what weight Paul was carrying. Okay, Paul is in prison. He's in prison for being a Christian. And so he's got this what that he's dealing with. That he is in prison for following Christ. And so he writes this letter to, to this church at Philippi. In the context of the what of prison, and he's going to give us some principles for how he carries this weight. And that's what we want to jump into, and we'll end up with five ways that you might need to change how you're carrying the what that God's put on you, or the what that life has given to you, or the what that's been allowed to come into your grip or come into your arms. So if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Philippians. We're going to be in chapter 1 for just a little bit to set context and get a couple of uh, big picture things that are going on in Paul's mind, and then we're going to flip over to uh, Philippians chapter 4. So let's start in verse 1, very first verse. And Paul does something amazing in his salutation or in his greeting. He calls himself, or him and Timothy, his protege, he says, Paul and Timothy, servants. And that's really how it's translated in our English, in most of our English Bibles. However, in the Greek word, the word is slave. And, and so that word has a lot of weird meanings for us. So most translations go with servants. But the real word would be God, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. And it's interesting that he starts the letter that way. He starts the letter like, I'm under the authority of God in, in the prison. I'm under the authority of God. I'm doing God's will. I'm doing God's purpose. And he says that from prison. And, and so there's a how that you and I can learn from this. And it's probably the foundational how. And that the, the, the how is this. The how of authority and sovereignty. And really it buckles down to or comes down to how do I view God? How do I view God? See, a lot of us, we view God as God's job is to keep the weight or the what, to keep this from coming our way. And then when it comes our way, to get rid of it as soon as possible, to, to get rid of, of what we're being asked to carry or what's coming our way, etc. So we just sort of want God to get rid of it. And we don't oftentimes accept the fact that God is sovereign, that God is in charge, that God is authoritative, and that his sovereignty 
covers the scope of our existence. That his authority actually governs the direction of the story of humankind. And so we start wrestling with God on this subject. And Paul, for Paul, it's a settled matter. He's like, I'm the Lord's slave. Which means God can do with me and God can put on me whatever God in his sovereignty chooses to do. And that unbelief that just came up in your mind, we're like, I don't know. Because some bad things happen. That's the battle you got right now. And the question that exposes the levels of unbelief in our spirit here today is this question. At the end of the day, does God exist for us or do we exist for God? There is a prevalent theology And oftentimes, practically, when we think of Christianity or we think of God, really we think God exists for us. He's cosmic Santa Claus. We think God exists to do our bidding, that all we're trying to do is find the right religious combination, the right prayer mantra, the right this, the right that, to unlock the code that gets God to come down and take all this stuff away or take all this off of us. And when God doesn't do that, then we're like, huh. Well, I don't have any use for God. But what Paul says is he's a slave. He is under the authority. He's under the sovereignty of God. So if God puts this on him, then he's going to receive it in faith and accept it and trust that the God who put himself on a cross for you and for me can be trusted to bring ultimate good out of this. And so Paul doesn't debate God around his prison sentence. Paul doesn't debate God on whether, is this your will, is this your not will, why me, God? Paul says, I'm your slave. I'm your slave. And from that moment on, a whole realm of possibilities opens up. Because most of us, if we're not careful, this is where we stop. This is where we stop. And we're like, I'm not going to be anybody's slave. I'm not going to be anybody's servant. I want to be my own God. And if the God doesn't do it the way I think, then I don't have use for him. And that's the battle that we face. And we'll quit God. But it closes the door to all these other things that God has for us and wants to do with us and in us. And through us. So let's fast forward to verse 12 of chapter 1, and Paul's gonna get even more specific about his situation, and we'll uncover four more hows that we can change. Because remember, it's not what, it's how we're, it's not what we're facing, it's how we're facing it. So here's verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me? Now, what is Paul's weight? He's in prison. And there's other ministers out there that are kind of ambitious and they want Paul's kind of authority. And so they're like preaching to kind of rile Paul up. So he's got enemies kind of from within the church and he's in prison. So Paul's got two big weights in the Philippian while he's in, the, uh, while he's in prison as he's writing to the Philippians. So he says, what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus. So we could read it a couple of ways. What has happened to me has actually advanced 
advanced God's purpose and I am God's slave. I don't put God in my debt. I am in God's debt because God hung on the cross for me. God died in my place. God rescued me. God adopted me. God has heaven and eternity and the kingdom for me. So what has happened to me is not really a weight. It's an avenue for the advancement of of the purpose of the gospel. So that, he goes on, gets more specific, it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment, this is what we're facing, is because I am in Christ. The sovereignty of God has put this upon me. And he says this, most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment. Now that doesn't make sense, does it? Hey, you're a Christian too, Paul's in jail for being a Christian. Don't you think, hey, if it happened to Paul, it could happen to me that it wouldn't give anybody confidence. They'd rather run from their faith or run and hide or take refuge. And Paul says, no, the opposite has happened. Why? Because they've settled the matter of who's in charge. They've settled the matter of who's the servant of who. So what is, most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment, from my what, from the weight I'm carrying, and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. There's, some, there's another how we need to change. And this is what I'll call, number two, the how of perspective. How, how am I looking at it? And it is what I'm facing. It is what I'm being asked to carry. It is this burden. It is this thing tempting me to quit, tempting me to bypass the payoff zone and go straight to the quit zone. So it is the weight I'm carrying. Now, the how of perspective is how am I looking at it? See, you know what Paul's doing? Paul's looking at it through the lens of how does this advance God's purpose? How does it advance God's purpose to get the word out? How does it advance God's purpose to get things moving and to get things going forward? I'll read you a quote from a well-known atheist who's a professor at UNC. His name's Bart Ehrman. And here's a quote he said. A student asks him, he said, hey, professor, what would it take you to believe in God or to have faith in God? And here's his answer. I think that if, in fact, God Almighty appeared to me and gave me an explanation for all the evil in the world, and the explanation was so overpowering that I actually could understand, then I'd be the first to fall on my knees in humble submission and adoration. Now, look what he's saying. From my perspective, I can't fathom the weights of the world. From my perspective... Isn't it possible that we're not God and that God's perspective is better than our perspective? And isn't it possible that God's purpose and God's ways would be higher than our finite ways and our finite purposes? So he has said, if God would come serve me, if God would come present it to me on my terms, I'd be okay with God. Well, you've just taken God's place. You've just taken God's place. And this is the challenge that we face. Is when we get these weights and that tempt us to quit. And we're being asked to carry them. Or I just can't do it. I can't do it. We don't have a category to put them in. We're just like. And you know what I mean. Categories like. We're like. Why is this happening to me? You have these categories like. Why isn't this happening to other people? Why did I get the short straw? This category of, hey, hey, God, why me? Why me? And you ask why me over and over and over and over and over and over again. And with Paul, you're like, hey, 
This is what God has chosen for me, and it's advancing the gospel, and I'm preaching Christ in a Philippian jail, and I'm writing letters to all the church that we're reading 2,000 years later. Hey, I think God knows what he's doing. And how I'm going to look at it is my weight is serving God's purpose in me, through me, and for me. It's how we're looking at it. So we don't have categories because we don't trust God or don't have the perspective of God. Where, where do we put evil? Where do we put cancer? Where do we put hardship in marriage? Where do we put prodigal kids? Where do we put difficult bosses? Where, where, where do we put <coughs> ISIS? Where do we put it? If there's not a sovereign God, if there's not a God who can bring good out of difficult, bad, hard things, then what are we doing? And what hope do we have? Thus the challenge. Or we can embrace the sovereignty of God, the authority of God, and say, okay, God... I'm your slave. I'm your servant. I'm going to look at this differently from here on out. Not necessarily as my enemy or my curse or my thorn, but as something you are going to get good out of. Some of us wear crosses. You know how evil the cross is? But it's the most glorious instrument that has brought the most good ever in the history of humankind. Why? Because Christ was the slave of his father who did the father's will. And God is sovereign enough to bring eternally good things out of difficult earthly things. So people of God or people who want hope because your life's taken a wrong turn, would you embrace this truth? That oftentimes detours are more related to your destiny than you recognize, realize, or may even want to believe. Paul took a detour and landed in prison. We're reading his letter 2,000 years later. Detours are more related to your destiny than you want to believe, you care to admit, and maybe that you even want. But under the sovereignty of God and with the perspective of God's power and goodness and grace, maybe that's where you believe today. That the road I'm on is my road under God's authority. I'm his servant or I'm his slave. Let's use the strong Greek language here. And God is good. He brought good out of the cross. He brought a resurrection to a cemetery. When I'm tempted to doubt his goodness or his power, I will look at the cross and at the empty tomb. And I'll hang in there. And I'll look at my what with a different lens, a different how. The perspective of his authority and the certainty that he's going to get something through, get me through this with his good. Let's go to chapter 4. And we'll read one of the most famous Bible verses in the history of the scriptures. Here we go. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again, so I'm happy in the Lord because once again, you renewed your care for me. The Philippian church sent Paul some support and offering uh, some good things while he was in prison. 
You were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. So most people in Roman prisons were dependent upon friends and relatives and family to sort of bring them, to help them out with financially or otherwise. And so the Philippian church apparently sends Paul a very, very generous contribution. So the third how that we're going to change, we're going to talk about is the how of community. The how of community. Who affects how? Do you know that? Who you're walking life with affects how you handle life. So when you think of the weight that you got to face or the weight that you got to carry, who's with you? Who's walking with you? Who's encouraging you? Who's praying for you? That who always affects how. And that one of the ways God chooses to distribute the weight that he allows or causes to come upon us is community. Or as we would say it, the church, the local church, like the church at Philippi. That's a local church. And so who's walking with you at a soul level? S-O-U-L. Most people have friends that walk with them at a news, weather, and sports level. Most people have people who walk with them on a superficial, hey, how was your day? Hey, pretty good. See you tomorrow level. Do you have somebody, and even churches can tend superficial, do you have somebody that knows what's going on in your soul? Do you have somebody that knows how this is burdening or affecting your soul and a group of people that God would bring into your life to walk with as you go through life? Do you have people who you can speak into and love and help carry the watts of life? So remember, Next weekend at all of our campuses, you have an amazing, amazing opportunity, if you've never taken advantage of it, to get involved in community through Small Group Connect, to get together with a group of people to share life together. Now, let me cast vision for this. This is not, you know, this is not your Monday night football crew, although you may get together and watch Monday night football. This is how do we encourage and support each other at the level of our souls. I'll go a step further and I'll talk again about our 6th through 12th grade environment, which is the link, which is on, on every Sunday night for middle and high schoolers, that we want young people to be in community. And our goal here, spiritual guardians, moms and dads, is not that when they get in the car, you ask this question, hey, did you have a good time? Although they will, or although they can. But, but higher of our goals is to impact kids' souls with the truth of Christ and the community of the church. And then, let me go another step further. We have a whole ministry at Rockbridge, all of our campuses, called Hope. Where there's people in our cities, people in our communities that have big weights of poverty or hurt or, or injustice that they're carrying. And, and they may not know about Christ. <coughs> they may not know uh, about the local church. They may think the church is a building that people meet in once a week. And we go and we get outside the four walls of the church and in Jesus' name... We give hope, and we explain that he is the source of our hope. So those are three steps and three ways. Paul knows the how of community. And then he presses forward, and he gives us kind of the, the thesis statement of probably the whole epistle as we continue reading the scriptures here. He says, I don't say this out of need. So, so what you gave me, I, I, I wasn't desperate. For I have learned. Now, what has he learned? That's important. I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. So here's what I take this to mean. There was a time in Paul's life where the weight, whatever weight he was facing or whatever weight he was being asked to carry, he didn't know how to carry it. He didn't know how to live in contentment with this. 
Maybe he tried, maybe the world comes along and says, hey, you know, use this to carry it. And he tried that for a while and the bag's busted. I, I, I don't really know, but there was a time when Paul didn't know how to carry his whatever. But he learned something. And let me explain that as a Christ follower, when you decide and surrender your life to Jesus, you begin to learn. It's not like, oh, I got my ticket to heaven. I, I, I don't have to worry about God anymore. I'm good, right? No, you become a student of God. And God begins teaching you things about himself and about how he wants you to handle and how he wants you to live life and carry these weights and how he wants to relate to you as father and son and father and daughter and how he wants you to understand you are to be his slave or his servant for your joy and for his glory. And God begins to teach you those wonderful things. And one of the things I am praying over our church is that you and I would be hungry to learn the ways of Jesus. And here's Paul saying, hey, I had to learn something. But thanks be to God, he taught me. And now look what he says. I can be content. Go back. I can be content in whatever circumstances I'm in. Wow. In a Philippian jail or Roman jail? Yeah. While people are out there trying to provoke you to rivalry and conceit? Yeah. Whatever. So what's your secret? Here's what he says. I know both how, that's what we're working on, how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. It's interesting he chooses that, right? So when times are good, baby, and, I, and the bank account's flowing, I'm, I, I can be content there. When times are lean and adversity strikes, I can be content there. And his contentment then is not based on the situation he's in. His contentment is not based on what he's facing. It's whatever I can be content. So, so that's a bold claim and a bold statement. He says, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned, there it is again, the secret of being content. Whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. And here's the verse that gets so quoted. I can do all things. There's our word. Can do all things through him who strengthens me. Boom. Now, this does not mean that, you know, hey, I want to be able to, you know, hit 500 as a hitter in baseball. I can do all things through Christ. I'm going to hit 500. doesn't mean that. I mean, Evander Holyfield, he was a famous boxer in the 1990s. He used to wear this on the back of his robe. He beat Mike Tyson and lost to Lennox Lewis with that on the back of his robe. So it's not talking about that. It's talking about I can do whatever God has called me to do. I can do whatever weight God is causing, allowing, letting me carry. I can do that through him who strengthens me. So it's like this. We started at the beginning of the message, hey, carry this around with you all day. And you're like, I don't think I can do that, okay? So we said, well, what about if you had some Walmart bags? You're like, well, I might make it three-fourths of the day, but at some point that bag is going to tear because they've done that with a gall gallon of milk before, and I just don't think I can make it with a 20-pound weight. And then we said, all right, what about a backpack that's designed? You're like, I can, do, I can do that. I can carry that weight through this backpack. I can do all things through Christ, through him who strengthens me. Now, what does that look like practically? Well, a couple of things, all right? A couple of things that's so important, all right? 
we sort of have to unlearn and, and, and eliminate some options, okay? We have to eliminate some options because ultimately what's at stake here is the how of source. Let me say it this way, the how of source. Go to the next slide, please. The how, go, go back, I'm sorry, to number four. It cut off at the bottom of your slide. That's okay. So his number four says the how of source, which means where I'm drawing my strength. All of us draw strength from somewhere or from someone or from something. And we talked about carrying the weight. You can draw strength from you, yourself, and I. You can draw strength from the bag or you can draw strength from a backpack designed to carry the weight. Here's the challenge. And here's what we have to do. We have to unlearn self-reliance. We have to unlearn situational happiness. That's what Paul's saying. I can't do it myself. We have to detach ourselves and our happiness from the temporary. I think that's why he says, hey, if I'm well-fed, I'm still going to be content, but it's not because I'm well-fed. If I'm hungry, I'm still going to be content. I'm not going to be discontent because I'm hungry, because I'm not going to attach my strength. I'm not going to plug my power cord into something that's temporary which is situational circumstances. And then Paul is saying, I can do all things through Christ or through him. That's his declaration of dependence. There's two leaky sources that you and I have to eliminate, self and situations. We, a lot of us, we, we draw our strength from ourselves, our talent, our resource pool, or the situations. Hey, did you have a good day? Yes. Why did you have a good day? Because of what happened to me. If you said to Paul, hey, Paul, do you have a good day? He'd say, yes. You'd be like, what happened? He's like, well, I'm in prison and I'm hungry. That's what happened. Well, then how'd you have a good day? Because I'm in Christ. And I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Last, the last thing to unlearn is this. When you read the Bible, one of the things you, that maybe helps you get meaning from the Bible, certainly helps me, is this. Ask yourself, what is the tone of the text. What, what, what's the tone? You know, like when your mom talks to you, your dad talks to you, your boss talks to you, there's a tone. Are they angry? Are they firm? Are they gentle? Are they peaceful? So when you, say, when you read Philippians and you realize, man, Paul's in jail. What tone would you expect? Bitter, mad, confused, depressed, discouraged, defeated. Yet Paul writes as a victor, not a victim. Paul writes with hope and joy, not sadness. And, and bitterness at God. No, he's full of hope. He's full of anticipation. He's full of excitement. And there's another, there's a final how that, that I take from that. And you see it if you read chapter 1 through chapter 4. Do it take 20 minutes to do it this week. It's powerful. What, what's the tone of the text? And, and here's what I think the, the lesson for us is this. It's number five. It's the how of narrative. It's how am I telling the story? How am I telling the story? See, all of us live in a story. And here's what I mean by that. We talk to ourselves. We try to make sense of things like this. We try to make sense of our purpose, our identity. Why am I here? Why is this, why is this falling on my plate? What, what's going on? We try to make sense of all these things, right? And so we talk to ourselves. And when bad things happen, we're like, well, I'm a loser, or I can't handle this. There's that four-letter word we're going to eliminate. And we, and we tell ourselves that my life is in ruins, or nothing good can come of this. And we talk ourselves often into a state of anxiety, a state of de defeat, and a state of depression. Instead of understanding, we are part of a bigger story. 
See, let me just tell you something. Nothing will deplete your hope like a deficit mindset. And your deficit mindset is revealed in how you talk about how you talk about your whatever. Your deficit mindset is revealed in how you perceive and how you view God. Your deficit mindset is, is I can't. Or your deficit mindset is why me? Or your deficit mindset is, oh, this is so bad. This is so bad. Nothing's good's going to come of this. And, oh, why God? What are you doing, God? God does not want anybody here today, no matter what you're facing, to have a deficit mindset. Listen to how he concludes his letter. Verse 19, he says this, And my God will supply all your needs. He's done that for me in a, Philipp, in a Roman jail. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ. There's abundance in God. There's provision in God. I can carry the weight through this backpack. I can get through life through God and his purpose and the story he's writing. Now to God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, there's power in words to create reality. You know? There, I mean, God created reality when he said, let there be, and he brought creation into existence. God creates reality when we put our faith in Christ. He declares us righteous or right standing, gives us right standing with him. And see, life is con constantly throwing stuff at us. And, and life is constantly putting these weights on us. And if we're not careful, these weights start to tell the story. Like, you're damaged goods. You can't do this. You can't get through this. You know, the, the weight of sin that some people walked in here carrying, which is the weight of guilt and the weight of shame. But God speaks a higher word. God speaks a more powerful word. And if we would just believe... The word of God spoken over us today. We would say like Paul, I can do all things through Christ. Let me read this from Martin Luther, one of the leaders in the Reformation. He said, others tell me that I'm a failure. I'm an idiot, a clown, evil, incompetent, vicious, dangerous, pathetic. And these words are not just descriptive. They have a certain power to make me these things in the eyes of others and even in my own eyes. As self-doubt creeps in and the devil whispers in my ear. But God speaks louder. And his word is more powerful. I have peace in my soul because God's word is real reality. That's why I need to read the Bible each day. To hear the word preached each week. To come to God in prayer. And to hear the words of grace from other brothers and sisters as I seek to speak the same to them. Only as God speaks his word to me, and as I hear that word in faith, is my reality transformed, and do the insults of others, of my own sinful nature, and of the evil one himself, cease to constitute my reality, external and internal, might be powerful for a moment. The words of my enemies, external and internal, might be powerful for a moment like a firework exploding against the sky, but the word of the Lord is stronger brighter, and lasts forever. You walked in living in the middle of a story. For some of you, it just, it's the story of you. Your career, your marriage, your family, your situation. It's the story of you. 
Some of you walked in and you're trying to live society's story. The story of keep up with the Joneses. The story of trying to maintain an image. The story of trying to manage outcomes to, to attain a certain level of retirement or a certain level of status. Some of you walked in and it's the story of your shame and the story of your regret and the story of your, your guilt. All of those stories eventually dead end. But they all go around in your head. They all create a reality that ends up making us broken or a victim or a defeated human being. And the word can't eventually comes in. I can't be good enough. I can't create this image. I, I can't get through this. But there's another reality. And it's the reality of the sovereign, almighty God. And it's the story that he's authoring and the story that he'll finish. And it's the story that he invites any one of us to be a part of. It's the story of Christ. It's the story of redemption. It's the story of our adoption as rebels to be adopted into the, into the family of the one we rebelled against. It's the story where it's not about you and it's not about me. It's all about him. Yet in his grace and in his love, he reaches out and he invites us to be a part. And he shows us his love for, uh, for us on the cross and in his death in our place. And he says, I'll walk with you through this life. I'll be your life. If you would just give me your trust. If you would just let my words become your reality. If you would just live in my story. And then you can say, I can do all things. Through him who gives me strength. Let's pray together. God, I want to pray for anybody right now who is not part of your story. And as we've been talking, God, you have been showing them that apart from you, they're helpless and hopeless. You've been showing them the dead end, the final chapter of the story they're a part of. But God, you've shown them and they've heard your voice and they hear your invitation and they see the light of Jesus Christ as the glorious one, as the answer, as the Savior, as the King and as the leader. And God, I just pray right now, their surrender. There's people who are willing to say yes to you, Christ, because you first said yes to them on the cross. Bring new life, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. God, there's other people, and they came in today, and they're carrying that weight, and they're tempted to quit because of how they're carrying it, and the weight hadn't gone away. But today is a day of freedom. Today is a day of liberation. Today is a day of hope. Today is a day of trust. Today is a day where your word becomes the dominant word, where your truth becomes the weightiest truth, and where your hope becomes their hope, and your strength becomes their strength, so that we walk out of here today, God, and we are resolved not to be people of the word can't. We're resolved not to be victims. We're resolved not to live defeated lives. We're resolved, God to let your word wash over us, to let your word 
constitute the reality in whatever we're dealing with, in whatever we're facing, so that we boldly claim, declare, and live. God Almighty, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. This is our prayer. This is our word. This is our reality. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.